0: Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I'm Ken Tuck, and I thank you for joining me this morning for Sunday Morning with Love and Action. Hope you're having a good weekend and you are ready to get into the Word of God because we are going to do what I think is an interesting study this morning, and it's going to be coming from Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. But before we get into the Word, let's ask the Father to bless this time and the Holy Spirit to guide us through this study. Father God, we Come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, you give us your word. And Father, thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit to teach us. And we ask your Holy Spirit to teach us to lead God and to direct us into all truths. And we pray that, Father, we will just be doers of your word and not hearers only, because that's what you tell us to do. And Lord, we want to be obedient to your word. And Father, we know that you bless obedience. And so, Father, I just thank you. Again, for this time, thank you for each one listening today, and Father, I just want to lift each one up to you. You know each need. You know where each one of us are at in our walk with you. If anyone is listening this morning and they don't have that personal relationship with you, I pray that today is the day they call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, our key text today is going to be Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. We read there, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, and that's Jesus speaking there. This is one of those quotes, and I don't know about you, but when I read the Word and I see quotes like this from Jesus or or other scriptures in the Bible, and I just want to know more about it, I just start digging into it, and that's what happened with this scripture. Let's just kind of dig into it today and see what Jesus is talking about when he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now my objective when I started studying this, and I think we ought to have an objective when we study the Word of God, is what does Jesus mean by saying He's the Lord of the Sabbath, and how should I view the Sabbath, and what does it mean to me? As Christians, especially living here in America, we don't think too much about the Sabbath because we consider that a Jewish celebration. But more and more, I know people who are believers, uh, but they still observe the Sabbath. So over the years, that just intrigued me and I just started digging into it, doing some studying into it because I wanted to see what exactly does Jesus mean by saying he's Lord of the Sabbath and what does the Sabbath mean to me? And so let's lay out some background here on this scripture. Jesus, he is speaking to the Pharisees because they came and they were complaining to him because his disciples were plucking heads of grain to eat, and it was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees complained, saying that that's not lawful. That's not what you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. And we know the Pharisees, they were constantly looking for ways to conspire against Jesus. And this was just another one of those moments that they thought maybe they could could trap him. Course they didn't. (laughs) But Jesus he asked them if they had not read what David and his men did when they were hungry and they ate the consecrated bread. And Jesus points out that was not lawful for them to do, but God did not hold them guilty. And neither the priests who but when they broke the Sabbath in the temple, Jesus tells them that he is greater than the temple. And Jesus tells them it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. And he goes on next and he healed a man who had a withered hand in the synagogue following his statement that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, man, they got all upset about that too, and they considered that unlawful, healing somebody unlawful. And Jesus, what he's trying to do is drive home the point that the Father desires compassion above sacrifice. And the Father wants love, compassion more, than a, a ritual worship, and that's what the Pharisees were about, doing that, that ritual worship. And Jesus is saying, no, the Father wants love. He wants compassion more than that. And as we look closer to the text, it's always good to look at who's writing the, the book that we're reading in the Bible. And of course, in this case, obviously, it's Matthew, uh, who's called Levi, Uh, in Mark and Luke's Gospels. And we know he is the former tax collector who Jesus called to follow him to become one of his disciples. And so being a tax collector for the Romans, he was considered a traitor by the Jews. And we know he was a Galilean, he was a Jew, and then a believer in Jesus Christ. So being a tax collector, that meant he was more than likely well-educated as well as wealthy. And he probably spoke multiple languages, at least Aramaic and Greek. And it's also probably meant that he was a good writer. And we know being a tax collector, he had to be very specific and have great attention to detail because the Romans wouldn't put up with, with any mistakes. And so he was very attention to detail. And, and as we read Matthew's writing, we see he is very concise and very orderly. And, and also, being a Jew means that Matthew knew the Torah and prophecies about the coming Messiah. He knew the law of Moses, and being a, Gal- a Galilean Jewish Christian, it suggests his ability to interpret the words and actions of Jesus in light of the Old Testament messianic expectations. So he knew the Torah, and he knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the promise of the coming Messiah, and he continually saw that and continued to interpret that. It's also important to know that Matthew's gospel is an evangelistic tool to persuade his fellow Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He wants them to see that Jesus is the Messiah that they've read about their whole lives in in what we call the Old Testament. He also shows that Gentiles can have salvation through Jesus as well. So mainly for the Jewish brethren of his, but also for the Gentiles to show that Jesus came for everyone We know from that that his predominant audience was Jewish, and he usually cites in his writings, he usually cites Jewish customs without going into any or much explanation about it, and he often refers to Jesus as the son of David. His other audience was obviously the Jewish and Gentile Christians, as his gospel had circulated widely and rapidly back in those days, and his purpose was to show the Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And throughout his gospel, Matthew uses many quotes from the Old Testament, specifically showing the tie between the Messiah of promise and Jesus. And he sets out to prove Jesus is the Messiah by quoting the Old Testament. He's saying, look, here's the prophecy. Here's Jesus. Can't you see that he's the Messiah? And so he shows how Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. It's also important as we are studying the Word of God and particular parts of scriptures to pick out some key words. As I read this Scripture, some key words that jumped out to me was Son of Man. What does Son of Man mean? Because this title is used 88 times as a title for Jesus. And it's primarily used by Jesus himself. So Jesus calls himself Son of Man more than others call him Son of Man. So Jesus is given this title to himself. And the title shows that Jesus is fully man. Because we know he was fully man and fully God. And this title shows he was, all, he was definitely fully man. And First John 4 2 says, he came in the flesh. Jesus, the Messiah, came in the flesh. And it's also a humble title. Jesus is the Son of God. He's part of the Trinity, but he often uses this humble title because he, he left heaven to be born in a manger. And the title also shows that Jesus is the supreme example of all that God intended mankind to be. He's the embodiment of truth and grace, as we read in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. In Daniel 7, verses 13 through 14, we see that this title also fulfills the prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. And that's very important to see as well. So the son of man was, is a key word for me there. And, and the word is actually is. <laughs> but, and the reason why I say that is because the word is is a form of to be. And Jesus, he's not being vague here. He isn't saying anything that we shouldn't be able to understand. He's clearly saying that he is the son of man. He's not leaving anything open for speculation. He's not leaving anything open for question or debate. He is the Son of Man. So I think that's important that we see that. And, of course, the word Lord. That's a Greek word. The Lord in, in this verse is kyrgios. And it means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. Master, Lord. It's also given a title given to God, the Messiah. A title of honor, expressive of respect, reverence with which servants greet their masters. So that's a definition of that word Lord, which is used there in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. It's also important to see here that this claim that he is the son of man is master of the Sabbath and above the Pharisaic regulations, that angered the Pharisees extremely. I mean, they were really upset at this. But by the phrase, the son of man here, Jesus is saying that he is the Messiah. That's the claim to Messiahship. But at the same time, he's also the representative of man. And he affirms the solidarity of mankind with this statement. So a lot of important things going on in this one piece of scripture here. And we see the word Sabbath, and obviously that's a key word in this scripture. And that means rest. And it's the seventh day of the week, which was a sacred festival, in which Israelites were required to abstain from all work and the institution of the Sabbath, the law for keeping holy every seventh day of the week. So that's the Sabbath, the day of rest. It was commanded from God to the Israelites that they were to keep the seventh day, Sabbath, holy. And God, I see God actually instituting that in creation when we read in Genesis that on the seventh day God rested, so he was already putting that in play and showing us that we need that day of rest. We need that Sabbath day. And so he showed us that even in creation way back in Genesis. And as we study scripture, it's also good to think of some critical questions. You know, why am I studying this for? What's the reason that I'm digging into this piece of scripture for? And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, I think it's significant to understand Jesus being the Son of God, and because as you read Ezekiel, you see that God continually referred to Ezekiel as the Son of Man. So what's the difference? Ezekiel, Son of Man, Jesus, Son of Man. So that's something to look at. And another critical question is, why should it be important to me that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath? And what does the Sabbath mean to me? So you see these questions I'm thinking of and I'm digging out of Scripture here because we need to see how it applies to our lives. And that's the third thing. Third question is, how do I apply this to my life? So what does it mean? How do I apply it? And we always need to look at how to apply Scripture because that's what we're supposed to do. James tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we need to apply Scripture to our lives. So let's look at that first question. What's the significance of Jesus being the Son of Man? Well, this shows me that Jesus came just as it was prophesied in the Old Testament and as reported in the New Testament. He was born of a woman, born of a virgin. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was fully man and fully God. Jesus, he repeatedly, as I mentioned earlier, he repeatedly called himself the Son of Man. And that proves to me that he is the Son of Man because he is God. He's God in the flesh, and he's fully man at the same time, so he is Son of Man. It also shows that being the Son of Man, Jesus is the perfection of man. He personifies what God wants all of us to be. That's why Jesus says, follow me. You know, we need to follow him. We need to be like Jesus because he personifies what God truly wants us to be like and to be like his son, Jesus Christ. That's how he created us. That's how he wants us to live this life, is being like Jesus. I mentioned that God called Ezekiel son of man Uh, continually. As you read Ezekiel, he continually calls him son of man. The thing is, though, Ezekiel is not the Messiah, and he never makes such a claim to be so. He was a prophet who God clearly spoke through. And that's easy to see as we read that amazing and exciting book of the, of the Old Testament. What makes the Son of Man title for Jesus different is he is the Messiah, but also he called himself by that title. He was claiming deity by doing so. Ezekiel clearly wasn't doing that. He reported that God called him Son of Man. Therefore, Jesus was fully man, fully God. Ezekiel was just a man. Oh, great prophet, but he was just a man, not God in man. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of Man. So the second critical question I asked there is, why should it be important to me that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath? And what does the Sabbath mean to me? Well, since I've never observed the Jewish Sabbath, the first question is, why should I care that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath? That was a question when I first started looking into this years ago is, why should I care? And Because I've always looked at Sunday as being my Sabbath. Because that's how I grew up. And modern day Christians often view Sunday as Sabbath. Though I actually don't think too many Christians think a lot about the Sabbath. Because it's just not something that's been preached in many churches. And therefore, most haven't thought too much about it. But since that statement, again, as we study the Word of God, we see more things. And the more we read, the more we see, the more the Holy Spirit shows us. That statement, Lord of the Sabbath, is mentioned in Matthew, Mark 2:28, and Luke 6, 5. That's three times, so obviously it's important. God's trying to show us something here. And God, he himself established the Sabbath. He commanded Israel to keep the Sabbath holy when we read Exodus and Deuteronomy. God also rested on the seventh day in Genesis 2, 2. I mentioned that earlier. And the Israelites were to abstain from work on the Sabbath. And I've studied in the past, and I know that things started changing when the Roman Emperor Constantine the I came into power, and he actually decreed that Sunday would be a day of rest from labor, so that the Western mindset started changing at that time. And if you read the Edict of Milan, that really changed a lot of things. So the more I study that, the more I see that, okay, this wasn't changed by the disciples, it's the Sabbath. It wasn't changed by the early church. It really started coming into being through the Edict of Milan uh, with the Roman Emperor Constantine the I. So Jesus says in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so therefore, in the mindset of the culture I've grown up in, Sunday's pretty much been, been it as far as thinking about the Sabbath. You think about it, Sunday makes sense because it's when most of us worship. Uh, so most worship services are held by Christian churches. And we do know the disciples worshiped on Sundays. Uh, we also know that God is to be worshiped every day, not just one day a week. So my thinking before digging into the scripture, uh, since the Sabbath was made for man, we should make sure we have one day of rest every week to take that one day, whatever day it is. Many people work on Saturdays, many people work on Sundays, and so observing a Sabbath on a Saturday or on a Sunday, you know, it's hard for people to do when they, their job demands them to work on those days. So it's still important to take one day. God showed us we need to rest. I mean, he rested. So he showed us that we need to. So my train of thinking started being okay. Should it be Saturday? Should it be Sunday? does it matter what day it is. And the day of rest, when you can get it, get it. But after studying this over years and and looking into it and then just digging even deeper recently, I realized that I was wrong by calling any other day other than Saturday as the Sabbath. And here's why. It's true. We all need a day of rest. We do. So many take pride in how much we work. We work, we work, we work. Look at how hard I'm working. Well, we need to work hard. We need to have that good work ethic. But you know what? We need a day of rest, too. So we do need that. And we need to get that whenever we can. Again, many have jobs. That's just, it's just not possible to rest on a Saturday or, or on a Sunday. But God, he called the last day of the week, which is Saturday, the Sabbath. So who am I to overrule God and call another day Saturday? I, none of us can. God called Saturday, the last day of the week, the Sabbath. So Saturday, it is the Sabbath. And in the context in which I live and seeing Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath and fulfilled the law of the Sabbath, then he fulfilled that law. And we're not commanded. Jesus, he doesn't say, hey, be sure you you do the Sabbath. You know, be sure you observe the Sabbath. He did. We know that. We see that the disciples did, the apostles, the early church. We read and we know that they did observe the Sabbath. Jesus was Jewish, and therefore he's going to observe, he's going to f- fulfill the law, right? So he's going to observe the Sabbath and the other festivals, and he's going to fulfill the law. So while I still don't observe the Sabbath as some of my Jewish friends or some of my Messianic friends do, it's there's no getting around that Saturday is the Sabbath, and you know, I can look at at things like Jesus says it's it's okay to do good on the on the Sabbath. So Saturdays are a, a very busy day here at Love and Action as we're doing good, we're serving people, we're telling people about Jesus, we're helping meet needs on the Sabbath, and that's a good thing. And I, I truly don't think Jesus has a problem with that <laughs> because we we are trying to tell people about the Messiah, tell them about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and meet those needs. And ministry is something that can take place any day of the week, including the Sabbath and, of course, on Sundays. Another interesting note about Matthew 12 is, notice that Jesus, he wasn't the one plucking the heads of grain to eat. That was his disciples. And nor did he lay hands on the man with the withered hand, the one he healed So therefore, Jesus didn't pick the heads of grain, and he didn't lay hands on that man when he was healed. So Jesus did not break the Sabbath as the Pharisees seized the law. Jesus fulfilled that law, and he never once broke it, not one time. And since Jesus didn't touch the man to heal him, it meant that the power of God healed that man. Jesus, being God in the flesh, he just spoke the words, and the man was healed. So they couldn't truly say that Jesus was laboring since He didn't pluck the heads of grain and he did not touch the man to heal him. So the Pharisees' argument was actually dead in the water before it even began because Jesus, he never did break the Sabbath. He observed it, he fulfilled the law. So we know that Jesus is the Son of Man and he is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is part of the law that God handed down to Moses. We talked about that earlier. Jesus, he is the fulfillment of the law. He also showed in scripture that since he is Lord of the Sabbath, that heavy yoke of bondage that comes from being under the law, and then the added weight that the Pharisees piled on top of it, all that's been broken. And you can see that in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 through 30. You see some rabbis, they built fences around the law that became burdens. These laws became added burdens to the people, and Jesus came and he broke that yoke of bondage And he came to fulfill the law and to set people free. Jesus said, and he showed, it's better to do good and show compassion than to be held to the strictest measures of the law, which the Pharisees, that's what they held, and that's what they commanded, and that's how they interpreted it. As the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus has authority over the Sabbath. Jesus constantly and consistently says in the gospel that he says and does what the Father tells him. Therefore, he can do well. Show compassion on the Sabbath because he's doing what the Father tells him, right? And he is Lord of the Sabbath. So who else has authority over the Sabbath? Jesus. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And he has authority to say what is right and what is wrong on the Sabbath, not the Pharisees or anybody else for that matter. Jesus does. And if Jesus says we can do good on the Sabbath, then we can do good on the Sabbath. And he not only said it, he showed it as well. When Jesus says that he is Lord of the Sabbath, he really clinches what he says earlier in this chapter, starting in verse 6. Let's go to that, Matthew 12, verse 6. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus, he's telling them right there, the temple is greater than Than the Sabbath. I am greater than the temple. These are my disciples, and they are guiltless. To put it briefly, he is saying, I whom they are following am greater than the Sabbath and rule over it. Look, however, that Jesus does not directly say I, but the Son of Man. And the reason is seen in Mark where a connecting link is given that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, so that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus, right there, he implies that the Sabbath is inferior to man, not only because it exists for his sake, but also because it falls under the lordship referred to in Genesis 1.28, and therefore that he himself is really superior to it as man, much more as the ideal man. He is Lord of the Sabbath. I like what the believers bible commentary says about this. It, it it reads, it was he who had instituted the law in the first place, and therefore he is the one most qualified to interpret its true meaning. The prohibition against work on the Sabbath was never intended to apply to the service of God, Matthew 12:5, deeds of necessity, Matthew 12:3 and 4, or deeds of mercy, Matthew 12:11 and twelve. Nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament, not as law, but as instructions for Christian living under grace. The only commandment Christians are never told to keep is that of the Sabbath. Rather, Paul teaches that the Christian cannot be condemned for failing to keep it, and we see that in Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen. So the Sabbath it is and it always will be Saturday. The Lord's Day Sunday. And why do we call it the Lord's Day? Well, because it's a celebration of when Jesus rose from the grave. He came back to life. So we celebrate that on the Lord's Day on Sunday. But the Sabbath, it's the seventh day of the week. It came at the end of the week. There's no denying that. And the Lord's Day, being Sunday, begins a new week with a you know, restful knowledge that the work of redemption has been completed. We can celebrate that. We must celebrate that. And the Sabbath commemorated the first creation. The Lord's Day is linked with the new creation. The Sabbath was a day of responsibility. The Lord's Day is a day of privilege. We all know and we observe that the distinctive day of Christianity is the first day of the week. The Lord rose on the first day of the week. We read that in John chapter 20, verse 1. And that's proof that the work of redemption had been completed and divinely approved. And on the next two Lord days, we read where Jesus met with his disciples. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 26. The Holy Spirit was given on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The early disciples met on that day to break bread, showing forth the Lord's death, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It is the day appointed by God on which Christians should set aside funds for the work of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. So as a faithful Jew living under the law, Jesus kept the Sabbath, in spite of the accusations that the Pharisees made to the contrary. As the Lord of the Sabbath, he freed it from the false rules and regulations with which it had become encrusted with the added rules and regulations of the Pharisees. So as Lord of the Sabbath, he clearly freed all of us from those rules and regulations that the Pharisees added onto the law. And as I read Scripture, as I read commentaries about this Scripture It pretty much says this, that Jesus sets the rules, that the Sabbath does not rule man, it's for man. It also shows that the Pharisees were taking the Sabbath law to the extreme and putting their own twist on the Sabbath. Not all Jews agreed on what was and was not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus, he is Lord of the Sabbath, therefore only he has the authority to say what is and isn't allowed on the Sabbath. And furthermore, Jesus fulfilled the law. We live by grace. The law is good for instruction, but the key thing to remember here is it's not salvific, which means it doesn't pertain to salvation. And so here's what I believe. As we conclude today's message, I believe Jesus, he does want us to take a day of rest, but do it the way he shows us, with love, with compassion, with grace. He doesn't want us to be under the heaviness of the law. In fact, he came and he fulfilled the law. And I do choose Sunday as my day of rest because that's the day that I gather with other believers to worship Jesus. I've never felt convicted about that being wrong and in his word, I don't see where that is wrong because it is okay to celebrate my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ on Sunday and actually every day of the week. And Martha and I do, I'm so thankful for that. We celebrate Jesus every day of the week as we love him, as we serve him through serving others, as we make disciples throughout the week. We're in his word each and every day, and I believe God is happy with that. And I believe that's what God wants all of us to do. But it's important to remember the Sabbath is Saturday, and if you observe the Sabbath because you want it to remind you of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you want to just experience that from with which what he did while he walked here on earth, that's great. And I encourage you to continue to do it as long as you're not doing it under the law because Jesus came to set us free from that. We need to do good on the Lord's Day, on Sabbath, and on every day. And the main thing to remember is it's not salvific. So here's where I think quoting Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 comes in. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you believe keeping the Sabbath is important to your walk with Jesus, by all means do it. If you don't, then just make sure that you are worshiping Jesus each and every day. And coming together with other believers on Sundays is so important to do. So I just want to encourage you in that. Jesus, he is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of all, period. And so I hope this shed some light uh, for you on his statement that he is Lord of the Sabbath. and. Uh, a better look at the sabbath and what it means and what it means to us and uh you know scriptures like that are debated but you know the main thing to, to remember is we live for jesus and not for the law we're not under the law anymore we live for him and we live under his grace and under his authority and lordship and kingship I want to encourage you, if you have any questions or comments, please contact me. My email is ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do so. Because he is Lord of all, and he loves you. He died for you. He came back to life for you. So I encourage you just to call out to him, pray to him, and ask him to save you, ask him to forgive you, and believe in your heart that he died and rose again. And he'll come in. He'll save you and give you eternal life. Well, we are out of time today. I thank you once again for joining me this morning. Hope you have a wonderful day, a great week coming up. And remember, as you go through that week, that Jesus loves you. And I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.